0: So, it was July 21st, 2021, on this very stage, so like, you know, a month or so ago, uh, that Todd Castleberry was giving the Wednesday night talk, and he said something along the lines of, you know, we really need preachers who are going to tell us the things that we don't want to hear, uh, like, you know, they're going to tell us, got to get better friends, and uh, lo, I was sitting there, and I was thinking, hmm, preachers, well, that, that's me. So, uh, you can thank Todd if you don't like today's sermon, Uh, but this sermon is called Dump Your Old Friends and Get New Ones. So, it's it's, it's a pretty simple sermon, really. There are two points. Dump your old friends and get new ones. And today, we're going to be talking about Uh, The people that we let influence us in our lives. And I think influence is key because I'm not talking about, when I talk about friends, just people that we're acquainted with, people that we see in the office from time to time. I mean like the people that we have on our inner circle of friends that are really going to be impacting us and changing the way that we live. And so uh, today, I mean, I'm not going to teach you any deep theological truths you didn't already know. But I'm, I'm hoping to remind you, that this should be important to us, that we need to have friends in our lives that are going to push us in a positive direction, and that if we have people in our lives who are not doing that for us, people who are uh, encouraging us to do worldly things or encouraging us to uh, be sinful or worldly-minded, that we need to get those people out of our lives or put some buffer up so that they are not influencing us to be worldly people. So I'm going to present to you eight types of people. Four who are good and four who are not so good. And we're going to talk about the friends we got to get rid of, our, rid of out of our lives or at least protect ourselves from and the kinds of people that we need close to us that are going to push us to serve God. So first one, people who we need to dump, people who are living for today. And I've entitled our first friend Grain Man, which of course is a a reference to Rain Man, but also uh, to the man in the parable from Luke 12, who he had so much grain that he decided, you know what? I've got enough grain for forever. I'm going to tear down my barns. I'm going to build bigger barns. Uh, Soul, rest. Uh, It's going to be good. with Life, eat, drink, and be merry. And Paul warns us, this is why we've turned to 1 Corinthians 15, about this exact kind of person. People who are worldly-minded, people who are living for today. People who have no sight of the resurrection. In 1 Corinthians 15, we're going to read verses 29 through 34. Paul says, and he's talking about the resurrection and the, the significance of it in, in our lives. He says, Otherwise, what do people mean by being baptized on behalf of the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized on their behalf? Don't ask for a comment on that verse. I don't know. Verse 30. Why are we in danger every hour? I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die every day. What do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts at Ephesus? If the dead are not raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Wake up. From your drunken stupor, as is right, and do not go on sinning for some have no knowledge of God. I say this to your shame. So the thrust of what Paul is saying is that the resurrection gives us focus for our lives, and just as we talked about last week uh, that paul 's life of God is a li- life with God is a life of dying with christ he says as long as I have the resurrection in view, I can go through any sort of trial that I need to go through. I'm fighting with wild beasts. I'm dying daily. It's a terrible existence. But I know that I am fighting to be with God. That's what I have in mind. And so we are, we, if we have that focus, we can do whatever. Uh, that we can endure whatever challenges life throws at us because we know what we're fighting for. But if not, if there's no point in the resurrection, then why are we suffering? Why would we do anything that we don't want to do? Because if there's no resurrection, then just eat, drink, and be merry because this life is all we have. And we know that there were people in our lives who this is the way that they live, that they do not care about the resurrection. And as a result, it does not influence their lives at all. And so they're living for today, for the joy that can be obtained now, and tomorrow, and they are not caring about the distant future. And if we have people like that in our lives, they're going to influence us to think that way as well. They're going to take our eyes off of eternity, and they're going to put us on the here and now, And we're going to be doing things that we should not be doing because we have lost our perspective. And so we cannot have people in our lives who are living for today, who have this worldly perspective. We're going to take our eyes off of God. And if we have people like that in our lives, then we need to create distance from them or get them out of our lives entirely. we got to dump your old friends if they are living for today. But here's another kind of person we need to get out of our lives, and those are the schemers. And of course, I put up here uh, the text where Abraham tells Sarah that wherever they go, Sarah is supposed to tell uh, whoever they're talking to that Abraham is her brother. And this is uh, his elaborate scheme to stay out of trouble. But what you can think of other characters in the Bible who ask other people to lie or otherwise sin, In order to go along with a plan that they have. Uh, We could think about maybe Rebecca who tells Jacob okay here's what you're going to do to steal the birthright or to steal the blessing from your brother. Or even David who tells Jonathan that he's cooked up some elaborate scheme so that Jonathan can figure out whether Saul really hates David and so he asks Jonathan to lie to his father. We have And know people like this in our lives. People who are going to come up with these plans that involve us somehow playing a critical role and it requires us to do something sinful. If you're young and in school, you might think of someone who wants to cheat off of your homework. Or someone who wants you to tell their parents that they were at your house when really they weren't at your house. As you get older, this is going to be your boss or someone who is asking you to do something dishonest in your work. This might be someone who says, hey, you know what, uh, come get a drink with us after work. And, you know, you can just tell your wife that you're working late or something. Or, you know, someone who wants you, to, you know, maybe you were on a trip out of the country and they're like, hey, bring us some of those cigars that we can't get here in the U.S. Like they're trying to make you a part of their plan and they're asking you to do something sinful. And when we have people like this in our lives, we got to guard against that. And I've been saying guard against that because sometimes it's not necessary or possible to completely get them out of our lives. In the example we used, uh, Sarah is married to Abraham and Jacob is Rebecca's son. You can't exactly leave your family because they're a bad influence on you, but what you can do is put up guards. What you can do is be aware that they are fallible people and that they have problems and that they might try and do exactly what Abraham and Rebecca do in, this, in their respective stories, and that we need to put up guards against that. We need to not allow them to pull us into their evil schemes. And also, I think it's possible we can talk to people like that uh, again Abraham is an amazing example of faith, but it takes him a while to get it figured out. David is the same sort of way, that these men grow into incredible examples, but they, they are not always like that. And so sometimes there are going to be people in our lives who are trying to pull us into evil schemes, and the answer is just to push them away, to say, no, I'm getting you out of my life. This is not good for me. But other times we need to put up barriers or talk to them and say, hey, this is not the kind of person you're supposed to be. And so dump an old friend by turning them into a new, better friend in that case. So, we've talked about two types of people, people living for today, people who are trying to pull you into their evil plans. The third kind of person we've got to be watching out for are the people who I've called them the rain clouds. Now, these are people who they're constantly finding negativity in life. They are angry, they're anxious, faithless, critical, and discontent and you can think about the people who always they have something to be worrying about constantly they're worried about food they're worried about the election they're worried about their job they're worried just in general and of course we need to be helping and encouraging people like this but Too much of that and we're going to be pulled into their lack of faith as well. Because God tells us that we're not supposed to be anxious. That we're supposed to trust him that God knows what we need. And so if we're surrounded by people who are pulling us into their anxiety, we got to put some space in between us. If we've got people in our lives who are angry, people who are, you know, rude to other people, who are constantly trying to pick a fight, that is not going to go well for us. And if we are close to them and people know that we are their friends, then they are going to see us as, their, as on their side as well. And when we're people who are trying to, as far as is possible for us, be at peace with all men, it does not do us uh, a service to have a pugnacious friend. And so we have to get rid or at least insulate ourselves from these people who are angry. Or people who are uh, overly critical uh, when I was in high school uh, these are the kinds of friends I made they were always so mean to the other people and for some reason we thought that was fun uh, and it really it rubbed off on me that we would find ways to you know to pick fun at people or to talk about them behind their back and it was just it was not it was not good for me at all and yet these were the people I surrounded myself with and people could see that in my life and they were like Brent these are not the kinds of friends you need to have. And as, I, as soon as I left high school, I realized my mistake in many ways, but also you know, none of them talked to me like a month later. And I was like, oh, well, great friends I had. Uh, these people, they're going to be angry, they're going to be rude, they're going to be critical, and they're going to rub that off on us. Or people who are just constantly discontent. I mean, this is the quote we have here in this little friend bio, is from the people uh, the children of Israel as they're wandering in the wilderness. And they're, in, they're saying, man, I wish we could go back to slavery where at least we had food, which is a ridiculous thing to say, especially considering that a book earlier they were crying out to God in that same slavery, God, get us out of this. That We see that the problem is not their circumstances. The problem is that they like to complain. And when we are around people who are constantly finding a way to complain about something, that's going to rub off on us. And we need to be people who are positive, people who are speaking good words to others. And that's going to be a lot harder for us if we're constantly surrounded by people who are bringing us down and who are always negative. All right, the last kind of friend that we got to dump from our lives are the wannabe medalists. These are the people who are competing for first place in our life. Because here's the thing. We have made God first place in our life. And yet, we can read time and time again of examples of people in the Bible who pulled the hearts of others away from God. You can think, obviously, of Solomon and his like 700 wives, who they turned his heart away from serving God to serve the Baals. Or you can think about in the book of Nehemiah, I've been reading Nehemiah recently, and Uh, Tobiah, who is one of the main bad guys in the book of Nehemiah, has this in with some of the people who live in Jerusalem. And he's kind of playing them against Nehemiah, playing on their loyalties. And we know that there are people like that in our own lives as well. People who say, hey, you know, you go to church on Sunday. Surely we can like play ball on Wednesday night, right? You know, for me. Or, you know, hey, just for me, you know, stop bringing up this whole religion thing around, you know, Bob over here. They're trying to get in between us and God. They're vying for first place in our lives. And we need to be the kind of people who are not willing to give up first place to God. God is the only one that matters. And so if people in our lives are trying to get in between us and God, we got to get them out of our lives, get them out of our inner circle of friends so that we are not influenced to do bad things. Now, before I, I finish talking about dumping your old friends, i want to say two things about this. One is that I don't want this to turn into a witch hunt. I don't want this to be, uh, you know, beam in my eye, speck in your eye kind of thing. We're not, I'm not calling us to be judgmental, but what I am calling us to do is to make wise choices in friends. That there are going to be people that are fallible, they need grace just like you and I do, and that is of course, reasonable, but when there are people who are constantly by their influencing us, by their influence on us, pulling us in a negative direction, we need to do something about that that 's the first thing. The second thing I need to say about dumping our old friends is that having bad friends does not excuse sinful behavior. Uh, the, the woman made me do it was a weak excuse when Adam used it in the garden. And it's still a weak excuse today. Just because you have poor friends does not mean that your actions are excused. But what it does mean is that you are more likely to do something that you are going to regret later on. And because we are trying to serve God, because we are trying to make spiritual choices in our lives, it is imperative that we make spiritual choices in our friends as well. So... When you have people in your life who are dragging you in a negative direction, get them out of your inner circle. Make space between them so that they're not influencing you in a negative direction. Dump your old friends if necessary. But of course, they're good people and we need to be filling our inner circle, our influential group with people that are going to bring us in a positive direction. So, what are we looking for? First, we need someone like Paul. An honest Abe. Someone who's going to call you out. I mean, I think about Paul... In the story of uh, when, he, when he calls out Cephas. For as soon as the Judaizing teachers show up. Peter is over there no longer eating with the Gentiles. Because the Judaizing teachers have influenced him in a bad direction. And he says even Barnabas is carried away in the hypocrisy. And yet Paul calls him out. He says this is not how we're supposed to live. If you being a Jew live like a Gentile. Then why are you eating with the Jews? Why are you doing this? This is not this does not line up with your values and the things that you have committed to. And we need people like that in our lives, people who are gonna ask us the difficult questions. You know, how is your Bible reading going? Why did you choose to wear that? Why are you talking to that person that way? That does not line up with the Christ that you claim to be following. Why are you doing what you are doing? People who are going to push us. I think about this, and I, I of course, put this, this picture up here of like a personal trainer, but like a coach, a coach who has seen us do better, a coach who knows that we are capable of more than we are putting out and who's going to call us out when we are not living up to that. We all need people like that, and I... Uh, I've been very blessed. I have two people like this in my life. One of them was uh, my roommate when I was in college. was phenomenal. He was always asking me about my motives and and really helped me out a lot. The second one is my wife, who is phenomenal at this. And uh, I'm just very thankful to have her always calling me out. Because I know that they're not going to let me slack. They're not going to let me get away with sinful behavior when, when they know what I'm about, they know the commitment I have made and they're not going to let me deliver less than that. And I really, really appreciate that about those friends. So if you do not have friends like this in your life and you need to make space, you dump your old friends, get new ones, get friends who are going to call you out when you are doing something wrong. Second, we need people in our lives who are visionaries. And this is, of course, exactly the opposite of the first friend that we talked about Uh, that we need to get rid of. People who are worldly-minded, people who are living for the day, we gotta get rid of them. But we need people in their place who are going to be looking to the sky, people who are heavenly-minded. And this, of course, uh, is a quote from uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, where he talks about that at the end of time, we understand there's going to be a resurrection. We're gonna be caught up in the air to meet Jesus, to welcome him. And when we do that, I mean, With that vision in mind, with that hope, with that calling, that changes the way we live our lives. And when you see people who have this heavenly mindset, it's going to stand out to you. They're going to make choices that are spiritual when other people are not going to make those same choices. They're going to be spending more time reading. When you talk to them, Jesus is going to come up more casually than in any other conversations with other people because they're the kinds of people, they're always thinking about heaven. This is on the forefront of their mind, and they're able to endure persecution, just as we saw uh, in Paul, that other people aren't going to be able to because they're not living for today, they're viewing heaven. And we all need people like this in our life as well. I'll tell you, I have a friend who is like this, but unfortunately, uh, unlike my wife who lives in my house with me, can call me out anytime, uh, this friend does not live here. In fact, he lives in a different state. And and that's kind of upsetting uh, for a number of reasons. But one of them is that I don't get his influence as much as I need to. And part of that is the distance. But even with like uh, technology and stuff, I could reach out to him more, but I don't. And this introduces an interesting thing that we might not necessarily need to get new friends as much as invest in the relationships that we already have. I mean, look around. Here are like 100 people or more. I don't know how many people are here this morning, but let's say it's 120. 120 people who have committed their lives to serving God. Surely, among these 120 people, we know somebody who is at least one, hopefully all four, of these things that we're going to say, we need a friend like this. And so if you're looking uh, at your, your core friend list, the people that are really influencing you, and you're thinking to yourself, you know what, I'm not sure I have someone like that in my life, then it might be time to call up one of your brothers here at, at Fairview and say, hey, uh, you want to go to lunch? Because I really need someone like you influencing me in my life. We got to make commitments. And so if you know somebody like this and you're not that close, invest in them. If you know someone like this and you're already close, that's even better. Uh, But if you don't know anybody like this, then you got to go, you got to search, you got to find new friends. Get rid of your old friends, get new ones. You need one with a heavenly focus and someone who's going to inspire that heavenly focus in you. The third kind of friend that we need is a sunshine friend, just the opposite of the rain cloud friend. This guy or girl is going to be filled with positivity, filled with faith, filled with encouragement. I think about Paul as he talks about the Philippians. He says that he's always rejoicing when he thinks about the Philippians, that they just, they bring a smile to his face because that's the kind of people that they are. I think about Jonathan, uh, who, when he and his armor bearer were about to go fight some Philistines, uh, Jonathan says that, who cares If it's many or few, God can work in few just as well as in many. That Jonathan had faith in God that had real tangible effects in his life. And in the same way, people who have great faith, like Jonathan, are able to encourage those around them and drive them to do things of faith because they're friends with people who have great faith. I think about... Uh, the, car- the, the writer of Psalm 16, who says that the lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. And if you read Psalm 16, you'll note that there are certain things about it that maybe his life is, is not always the best. But he has a perspective about him that God has blessed him, that God is all he needs, and that if we have God, then we can always have a place of joy and a place of uh, fortress and stronghold in times of adversity. That we need these kinds of people who are faithful, people who are aware of the blessings of God. We need them in our lives. i was thinking about Barnabas also falls into this category. Barnabas who fought against Paul for uh, the right of, of John, the, uh, John Mark. I think about Barnabas who stood up to the people in Jerusalem uh, to defend Paul. This is a guy who saw the best in other people. And we need people like that in our lives, in our churches, who are going to see the best, who are not going to hold against others uh, their ill will or their, their past. And they're going to say, look, if God can rescue me, he can rescue you, he can rescue anybody. These people who have faith in God, people who see the blessings of others, who see the blessings that God puts in our lives, people who smile and put a smile on the face of other people around them. Uh, I will say also, This is another thing that I think my wife does really well. Uh, It's one of the things that I really like about her and that she notices things that other people don't notice. Uh, And I'm always working like at a a breakneck speed, except when I'm not. But a lot of times I'm like, I'm really, I'm I'm thinking so quickly uh, and it's a bad thing. I don't need to be living life at such a fast pace. And she encourages me to slow down and to see all of the opportunities to thank God that I am missing when I am living so quickly. And so I think it's valuable to have people like that in our lives who encourage us to see all of these chances to praise God, all of these things that should build our faith and make us thank God. We need people like that who encourage us to slow down because that's the way that they live. And that's the way they encourage us to live. And so we got to get new friends. If you don't have a friend like this, you got to get one because it's incredible. And they're going to help you to serve God and to see God at work in this world. But finally... The, friend, the last kind of friend that we need is a laborer, a juggler, a marathoner, somebody who is always at work in the kingdom. And I've, we know people like this. I know that you know people like this. The kinds of people who they're always willing to step up, uh, to serve, to teach a class. Uh, people who are, you know, they're, they're volunteering at the soup kitchen in their free time. You know, people who are always here afterwards to clean the building. Uh, the, the mother who is working so hard to take care of her children, and then somehow, miraculously, has time to plan a Bible class too. Like We know people who are hard workers and who are laborers in the kingdom. And of course, I think it is important to note that we don't need to be idolizing productivity. I think that's a real problem that we have in the Western world, particularly in America. But Also, we're supposed to be busy. God gives us work as a blessing. And so we need to be the kind of people who are about kingdom work, people who are doing the will of God. And so when we have people like this in our lives, they're going to encourage us to be busy too. They're going to encourage us to grow and to use our time efficiently to serve God. And even better, if you know somebody in your life who has the same gifts as you. Maybe you are a letter writer. Uh, find somebody who's, who can encourage you to do letter writing. If you're a baker, find someone who's always the first person to sign up for meal lists. Like, get these people in your lives who are serving the Lord and serving the Lord in the ways that you want to be serving the Lord, and they can help you to grow, to encourage you. And this, We're not talking about you know, comparing ourselves or uh, measuring ourselves by ourselves, but we know but if we're work, if we want to be workers, we got to be around other people who are workers because they're going to encourage us. They're not going to let us slack. They're going to push us to grow and to be the kind of people that we need to be. And so, eight kinds of friends, four kinds of friends that we don't need, and four kinds of friends that we do.